decide in your heart of hearts what really excites and challenges you and start moving your life in that direction. Every decision you make from what you eat to what you do with your time tonight turns you into who you are tomorrow and the day after that. Look at who you want to be and start sculpting yourself into that person. You may not get exactly where you thought you'd be, but you will be doing things that suit you in a profession you believe in. Don't let life randomly kick you into the adult you don't want to become. Chris Hadfield Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Murph Morale. I've been really pleased with how, you know, those are listening in. I've been really pleased with the numbers so far. Love to hear from friends, family about their feedback, their responses of the show. So as always, thanks for listening in. I hope you enjoyed our last episode with my good buddy Colton Johnson. If you haven't listened to that, go ahead and check it out. That's a longer episode, of course. Those longer episodes will be you know, fewer and further between these solo ones that I'm doing. But I hope to have some more guests on in the show in the future for sure. But for now, we're going to be sticking for this until that opportunity comes along. All right. Believe it or not, believe it or not, I finished my first real week of medical school. I didn't quit, didn't drop out. It was pretty much the longest week of my life, but loads of fun. And more than that, it was very purposeful, very meaningful to me. I found that all the time I spent this week was more worthwhile than a lot of the time I've spent out of school. You know, my first impressions of medical school have been so positive that I cannot help but compare it to Hogwarts. That's right, you heard me. My wife and I went to Universal Studios in Orlando for our honeymoon, so you can guess that we're pretty big Harry Potter fans. Medical school is as close to going to Hogwarts as it freaking gets. Call me Neville Longbottom. I don't care. Med school is freaking magical. Let me explain how, and you'll get the picture. Today, on today's episode, I'm going to close up the podcast with a couple lessons learned that I've learned about what it means to find your place, being with your people, about what it means to get and be in the zone. So stick around. I've got some stuff for you guys at the end. But first, we're going to start off with getting the letter, the med school letter. So let me tell you about the moments leading up to getting my letter of acceptance to medical school. As you can imagine, I'm pretty stressed out at the time. Right. Remember, this is the second time through the cycle. I've got a baby on the way. And really, I was expecting it a week earlier than it came, but we had this massive snowstorm in Arkansas that delayed it. Not only that, my dad and stepmom were visiting from South Dakota the weekend that it came in. So tensions are high, man. Tensions are high. I remember telling my wife, if I don't get in this year, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no idea. Maybe I'll go fly fighter jets or something. And that's what it was for me. Med school or Top Gun, only two options. But there's a reason that I picked medical school first. You know, it's what I wanted to do. I've got a real passion for it. Flying jets seems fun and cool, but medicine to me was fun, cool, it's meaningful to me, and I've got an aptitude for it. So, the day comes. I'm basically spending it completely away from my mailbox. They don't email us, no. They use the traditional mail to send it. So we're hanging out with my family all day. And we went to Little Rock, which is about 35 minutes away from my mailbox, to eat dinner. So I was trying to focus on being with family, but you can imagine my mind was elsewhere. You know, we drove home later that night. 
Sarah, my wife, was basically talking me through it. You know, she's giving me all the supporting statements and everything. It, you know, if you don't get in, it'll be fine. You know, you'll find something. But eventually, we reached the mailbox. Now, I know from experience, I've got a history with getting letters, right? I know from experience that if you get a letter from my school, just a letter in an envelope, that means that you got straight up rejected. You don't need to open it. That's the result. But if you get a packet, a parcel, if you will, then you are either accepted or waitlisted. Now I know this going into it. So I open up the mailbox and there's just a ton of freaking mail in there. I mean, the mail must have not been running during the whole snowstorm. So I'm digging through Domino's coupons, life insurance advertisements, you name it. But below all of that, I see the packet. All right, already doing better than the last year. Half the battle's over. Now I know that I'm either waitlisted or accepted. No props, no props. I opened up the packet, and boom, it's an acceptance. You remember when Harry Potter gets his wand at Alavanders and the heavenly lights turn on, and his hair's blowing in the divine wind of positive self-esteem? That's me for like a week. Back to school, baby. I can hear Haggard saying it already. You're a med student, Conrad. So... Months pass by, and I arrive at orientation. This is just two weeks ago. Remember how Dumbledore, you know, he gives his yearly addresses from the podium to all the students at the beginning of the year? Well, you know, same thing for us, except it was our chancellor, and he wore a suit and was clean-shaven instead of robes and a long white beard. And can I tell you something real quick? Do you know when a team starts buying into what their coach is telling them, when a coach comes onto the scene, you know, he lays his framework for success. The team responds and becomes good followers. They're buying into what he's selling. That is exactly what it was like for me. He made me, made all of us, want to represent our school and the larger healthcare community to a greater extent. He brought us into the family already. And then, you know, orientation kind of goes through. And there's the student interest group fair. They usher us, our little our little baby M1s waddling around a lobby with all the medical school clubs, essentially, that are set up advertised to us. You know, they got the candy, they're giving us the swag, all this stuff. So there's this one club. It's the Simulation Club, right? Okay. This interest group enters into competitions with other teams to compete in treating simulated patients. It's basically Dr. Quidditch, right? They work on their clinical skills. They practice for when they treat real patients in the future. It's super dope. Super dope. On top of all this, they sort us into our academic houses. You heard me right. I mean Harry Potter sorting hat stuff. We've got academic houses where we can meet and interact with upperclassmen in our house to get all the tips, get all the tricks, get all the survival methods for med school. I even got a sweet t-shirt and a pin to put on my white coat, which brings up the white coat. And you know the white coat, white coat ceremony, you know, you've seen the pictures. We finally get our short white coats that we'll be wearing around the hospital when we do clinical rotations or seeing standardized patients in our earlier years. Special moment for sure. And you know, it starts getting real when you put it on and you look in the mirror. I mean, it's it's a tangible moment. And it caught me off guard. 
at first I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, let's get this stuff over with. Let's get to the real stuff. Let's get to the knowledge, the education. But you have it on, and you see all of your classmates wearing theirs and your instructors wearing theirs. And then you look back, and you see your family that carried you to that point. Heavy stuff, man. Makes it all real for sure, and it puts it into a real perspective. So, then comes the knowledge part. You know, this really is the coolest part for me. All the ceremonial stuff is great, and it's important for us to know what kind of community we're representing and what our focus should be, but I really get excited when it gets to the knowledge. You know, you spend so much time in undergrad, you're tackling classes that aren't necessarily applicable to your future career. You know, I I certainly think that there is great value in a university education. It's important to be well-rounded, and you go to universities when you want to become an overall educated person. Otherwise, just go to a trade school. Go to a vocational school if you want that kind of education. Plus, those other experiences are important in becoming a physician. That's why they require the courses to apply. But medical school is essentially the tip of the spear for me. It's all or at least most of the stuff that I wanted to focus on in undergrad. So we start with our human structure course. It includes anatomy lectures, radiology lectures, and cadaver dissection in the lab. We've also got some suturing sessions that are lined up. We had an entire seminar on the importance and the gravity of what it means to be given the gift that a donor made to have us learn from human anatomy through dissection. You know, our professors really stressed what a unique gift it is. What a unique gift it is for a person to give such a significant donation to people that they will never meet in hopes that they use that experience to impact others that they also will not ever know. If you think about it, cadaver dissection would be illegal and immoral in any other situation outside of forensic autopsy and medical education, from what I can tell. Such a privilege, seriously. It is such a privilege, and it's a worthwhile educational experience. It's not something that's just bonus, it's tacked on. It helps us learn the material. As I mentioned above, we have lectures on radiology. You know, we look at images of ultrasounds, MRIs, CT scans, you name it. Then we'll have some case studies on specific examples of pathologies that are reflected in these images. Another one of our classes throughout the year is, it's essentially Doctoring 101. It's, you know, we learn how to interview patients and communicate empathically and compassionately with patients. This is where we learn to examine a patient. So we just get the opportunity to learn this incredible, useful stuff every day that no one else really gets to know in the same scope. And then you get all the gear, you know? You get all the sweet gear. kind of lines up with the whole white coat thing. You remember when Whittle Harry Potter went to Diagon Alley and got all of this wizardry stuff? Yeah, that'll be me when I buy my gear for medical school. I can hear it now. The stethoscope chooses the doctor, Mr. Murphy. It's not always clear why. That's going to be me, baby. 
you know, it's just a whole new world. That's that's all I can really say about it. It's a completely different world. You guys have heard me say that, you know, there's many games you can play in life. It's just a matter of finding which one. Well, this one is my game to play. You know, everyone at the school is, you know, they're speaking a different language. It's got their own lingo. It's its own culture. We're all like-minded, and we're in that College of Medicine for a similar purpose. Plus, just medicine is as close to magic as it gets for us. We should not forget how weird and incredible it is that humans can take a substance that mixes up chemical properties that will improve their health or way of life. How insane is it that a person can surgically remove a tumor or correct an injury that can change the life of a patient in less than a day? That's freaking magical. So, why is this important for you? I talked a lot about me, but why does this matter for you. First off, let me ask you a question. Do you get up a little giddy in the morning most days? You know, since school started, I've been trying to turn myself into a morning person. I've tried loads of times before, but it never worked. You know what though? I got up at about 5.08 a.m. every day this week that I had class. And I was excited to get up. I was excited to get up and study and get after it. It just took the right thing for me. It wasn't going to the gym, you know. Unfortunately, it wasn't the whole, I want to be more physically healthy. It was, man, let's grind after those books. Let's get into the education. Let's learn some sweet stuff. That's what it was for me. I want to bring up this theory of something called flow to you guys. It was developed by a Hungarian-American psychologist. that I'm just going to call him Dr. C., because I will absolutely mispronounce his name if I try to say it. I will put a video of a TED Talk he gave about his theory in the show notes if you're interested. The video is a little dated, but there's some very interesting points he makes, so I would encourage you to go listen to it. I'll put that in the show notes. And this is a whole topic that it really deserves its own episode, but I wanted to briefly bring it up here. I took this positive psychology class in college, and I'll be the first to admit, I am not the biggest psychology fan The studies are sometimes cool, but I just didn't vibe with all of it. And this idea of flow, this theory of flow, is pretty mainstream now. You know, you can find loads of YouTube videos about it. I'm not going to try and convince you how to approach this concept because I'm not an expert and I don't know what is best for you, but I think it's an idea that you guys should at least be aware of. Flow, as described by Dr. C., is where a high level of skill in an activity is met with a high level of challenge. It's where doing the activity is worth in and of itself, not because of the byproducts that it gives off, not because of the money, the health benefits, the fame. Just doing the activity alone is worth it. You see this in very experienced musicians, athletes. You see it in artists. You see it in other experts in their fields. The direct opposite of the flow state, this is where the low level of skill meets low challenge, is called apathy. Dr. C. notes in his TED Talk years ago that two large contributing factors to apathy are time spent in front of the television and time spent sitting in the bathroom. I'd venture to say that time spent on social media is comparable to these. So, let me ask you. 
do you find yourself here most of the day? Do you find yourself in front of the television most of the day? Do you go to the bathroom at work just to get a break? Most importantly, though, what gets you out of this? What gets, What makes you turn off the television? When I was scribing just before school, I found myself doing all sorts of side projects and using every possible social media app on my phone to the point where it wouldn't even refresh anymore because I was all the way up to date on everything. And you know, a scribe is very valuable in the clinic, but the work is not what I would call engaging. But now, when I come home from school, I see the family, I study afterwards, and I go to bed, you know, I'll find that I haven't checked my phone all day. I don't watch TV that much. Not necessarily because I'm trying to study super hard. I'm just engaged. I'm focused on the material. So what does my flow state look like right now? Usually it's me studying away. I've got my study time playlist where, you know, I can't study with lyrics going on, so I take movie scores from many of my favorite movies, and I'll put them in a playlist. And I've got my nose in the books. You know, a lot of times on the way to work or on the way to school, I'll be listening to engaging podcasts. The bottom line here is that, you know, I enjoy the discipline that I push on myself when I'm engaged in medical school education. Dr. C, he once said, Repression is not the way to virtue. When people restrain themselves out of fear, their lives are by necessity diminished only through freely chosen discipline can life be enjoyed and still kept within the bounds of reason so I want you to start asking yourself these questions is your work engaging you Do you get up ready to face the day what sort of impact are you making in your job with your family or in your community I would never tell someone that they should outright quit their job but if you find that your job is not purposeful to you or you find that you're in that apathy state often go explore around be intentional about looking for other opportunities and that may look different for everyone I was a medical scribe for three years because it gave me the opportunity to study for the MCAT build a resume it gave me some availability to pursue other extracurriculars that I needed for my application I believe that your job needs to work for you it's either providing you purposeful experiences or it's the leg to lean on until you start moving toward the game that you want to play if you're working at a job without any fulfillment or without any prospect of future mobility then I would suggest to start looking for your place and your people and make a plan to move that direction so I've got a homework assignment for you guys about this idea of flow there is a movie on Netflix called Chef that stars John Favreau. It is the perfect example of the flow state. It's a wonderful movie, honestly. It's a great movie. John Favreau plays a chef named Carl Casper that works in a nice restaurant in California. And I'm not going to give away too much information than that, but I would highly encourage you to watch it it's inspired by a true story and there's a couple of things i want you to pay attention to in the movie one i want you to notice him when he is cooking food i mean it's intense his eyes are focused he is in the zone his high skills are matching the high challenge 
that he sets for himself. And I also want you to pay, number two, pay attention to the risks he takes with his career. He goes out of his comfort zone in a lot of areas of his life, so take note of what positions him to do that. I'm going to leave a link in the movie trailer in the show notes if you're interested in checking it out. I would really suggest, even outside of this whole flow thing, just go watch the movie. It's a great movie. One of the quotes that um, the character, Carl Casper, said in the movie kind of stuck out to me. He's talking with his son about his passion and his career in cooking, and he says, I may not do everything great in my life, but I'm good at this. I manage to touch people's lives with what I do, and I want to share this with you. So go watch the movie. Get back to me over your thoughts on it. I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about it. And that's all I got for you today, Murph Morrell listeners. I hope it's been interesting to you so far. Huge thanks to family and friends that listen in and have given such good, positive feedback to me. Huge thanks to those that don't know me that are listening in. Big thanks. Thank you so much. I've got some good topics coming up for future episodes, so stay tuned. And again, don't forget to reach out to me at murphmorale at gmail.com for any tips, comments, suggestions, whatever you got. I will put that email in the show notes below as well. Also, if you have anyone that you think would enjoy this kind of medium or this kind of material or could benefit from some of these lessons, let me know. Pass on the podcast. Let them listen to it. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, go and get after it. And good luck.